And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Maybe even can go as far as to say a Super Bowl championship Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. My name is Pete Sweeney, joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, not only is it a special edition of the AP Editor's Show, it is also Valentine's Day. And is there Mm -hmm. any better Valentine's Day gift to a significant other that no more football games until August. <laughs> Probably not. You know, it occurs to me on this particular uh, Valentine's Day that one of the advantages uh, of winning a second Super Bowl in a fairly short period of time, in this case, four years, is that when you get out your old Super Bowl shirt to put it on, you can still mm-hmm. wear it. So that's uh, that's kind of an old guy perspective on, uh, on a, a short turnaround to a Super Bowl win. So I will say, as I was flying back from Phoenix yesterday, some Chiefs fans had the same idea. The fans that were in town for the game, I think they said to themselves, we might win this one. So why don't I save a championship shirt for the Monday after? So I saw a couple people with City of Champions shirts on because it works again now that the Chiefs have accomplished their second Super Bowl title in, what, four years here. And, and John, we're going to have a good show for everybody today, and, and we'll start with reviews and continue with Andy Reid, and there's a quote from Brett Veach, and we'll have our Super Bowl marinated takeaway roundtable. Steve is going to be in here. There's no way that Steve, who is occasionally crabby, could be crabby today, so I'm looking forward <laughs> for a, a Steve with a, a pep in his step. But, John, you've been a Chiefs fan for a long time. You spent times at the stadium covering them in mm-hmm. you know, the 90s and the 2000s. You've had this web role for us now for a few years as our, our deputy editor. The Chiefs hadn't won a Super Bowl title in 50 years. I mean, you're, you're one of the only people I know that could say that they've seen now all three. What is your, your take on just how wild it is that, that it's happening like this? Did you ever think as you were waiting for another title, the 50 years that it took to get the first one, that you'd ever see something like this where there is a football dynasty in Kansas City? Yeah, there's still a a certain amount of unreality to this. Um, I mean, even going into the weekend, uh, I I picked the Chiefs to to win. All of us did at arrowheadpride.com. The only only sour note was our Madden prediction, actually. (laughs) But, and I still pick the Chiefs to win, but even so, with the victory, there's still a, a certain amount of, I can't really believe, you know, pinch me, is this really happening? Um, it's very odd to me. Uh, and, but at the same time, it feels kind of normalized now, like, this is part of our expectation going forward. You know, the chiefs have been to the super bowl, uh, in three years out of four now, um, winning the championship twice. Um, is, is this what we're going to see for years and years and years? It's very possible that it will be. Uh, it's, it's kind of amazing. And I, I, it's still hard to believe it's actually happening. I'm with you. And right. I, I came into this late. You know, I, I always joke with fans that I talk to at training camp, man, you, you, you guys suffered a long time. I came in with, with basically <laughs> Alex Smith. I was the second year of Andy Reid and Alex Smith. And though the Chiefs weren't a Super Bowl caliber team, it was certainly a lot more fun during that era than sure. it had been yeah. in a, mm-hmm. a really, really long time. And I find even in covering the Alex Smith team, which again was a good Chiefs team, a good Chiefs era. Sure. This didn't mm-hmm. seem possible. This didn't, this, this type of thing, like maybe Alex Smith would break through year, you know, through one year. And then you'd finally get your championship and like the Royals, maybe it wouldn't happen for another 30 years. You know, maybe things would go the Chiefs way, whereas now this is the new Patriots, which is unbelievable. And it only would have been possible with another quarterback and then drafting that quarterback and him being Mm -hmm. one of the best quarterbacks of all time. The only teams that can do this is if you have that quarterback in place and really that head coach in place. So we'll get to the Andy Reid retirement question that I think has been going around. So I think people are feeling happier now that that whole rumor is dispelled. We'll get to that in a second, though, John. You got something else? Yeah, I was going to say that that part of, I think, what has made this harder to anticipate is (laughs) Philadelphia Eagles fans. 
who've been talking to us for years about how disappointed they were in the final years yep. of Andy Reid's tenure there. And it, they sounded much like Chiefs fans sounded about Marty Schottenheimer, you know, mm-hmm. who could put up a great regular season uh, record and then could not do well in the playoffs. Although, you know, Andy Reid made four conference championships in Philadelphia, which uh, Marty Schottenheimer certainly didn't do. But I think that, you know, I think that's kind of gotten in the back of our heads that, you know, we've got this other coach who maybe can't really do it when the big game comes around. And in fact, he can, he just needed that top quality quarterback to do that. And clearly Patrick Mahomes is that guy. And and there's no question about it now, you know, uh, and he I always had the, yeah, yeah. He, he, always, he always had the eye for a quarterback, but I think when you get someone of Mahomes's caliber you got to get a little lucky right donovan is a great quarterback michael vick is a a great quarterback alex smith i think even i don't know if i would say great but he was an above average quarterback you could win with alex smith whereas to me it's just patrick moms is another level and he's got the perfect head coach to do it with they match each other so well i've said this before but i think if andy Reid could design a quarterback it would be patrick mahomes and he he was able to find him and that's why these retirement questions I'm, I'm spoiling this first segment that we're about to do but these retirement <laughs> questions are so crazy to me because you know, Andy Reid is still six or seven years under Bill Belichick nobody questions Bill Belichick and whether he's going to retire Andy Reid finally found the quarterback he'd been looking for for over right. 20 years mm-hmm. of coaching I so long as his health is there which to our knowledge it is he's right gonna, he, he's gonna stay in that chair mm-hmm. yeah I agree it did it did seem though over the weekend when some of these reports sounded like he was hinting that he was going to be thinking about it. And, and, you know, we might make a decision after the season. That was a little scary to me, but, but I, but I agree with you. Why would you stop at this point? If you're Andy Reid, because he does not sound like he's tired. He -hmm. doesn't sound like he's, he's fed up with it. Um, and you know, let's, let's give thanks for Tammy Reed too, who's put up with it for a long time now and uh, apparently isn't complaining. So, so not only is it a Super Bowl theme, it's also a Valentine's day theme here yeah. today on the mm-hmm. show. We're thanking, we're thanking the significant others behind those who work tirelessly during the, this, this football season. I, I want to continue with the show. We will always say that if we get a review on Arrowhead Pride iTunes for our podcast. We will read it on the show. Only one came in. Uh, <laughs> this is from Ramon Cool 69 Very cool name. He said, good, and then gave us five stars and said, so far, so good with three Ds. So I, I don't know if Ramon or Ramon was was getting after it early, heading into before the Super Bowl, because it's had to come last <laughs> Tuesday. But we appreciate the... The five stars, nonetheless. So thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. If you if you leave a a review, we will of course always read it here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Even as we get into the off season, we had a lot of reviews come in for uh, Cake Gate, which unfortunately was a part of this championship season, and <laughs> we haven't had many since. So we encourage them as we go into this off season and explore how Brett Veach and and his team is going to build on this championship roster and doing what he can to, to try to run it back first, first day that we could start to maybe say that again. So we will see what the chiefs do this off season. Let's get into Andy Reed. Andy Reed had his final press conference before the scouting combine, which is coming out as fast in two and a half weeks. And nobody at, at our, at our website wants to hear that with, with how long the season has gone. Now that it's, <laughs> it's mid February and, and we just finished, but the combine's coming up fast, and we will get Andy Reid and Brett Veach in, in a few weeks here. But this was Andy Reid's last uh, conversation with the media leading into the parade on Wednesday, and then what will be the offseason as we, we start to turn the page to what will be the 2023 season. And we mentioned the retirement question came up, and Brett Veach actually joined Pat McAfee on Monday. Here is what he said. Yeah, I think that was total speculation. Um I mean, I'd like to think that other, other than his wife, Tammy, I don't think anybody talks to coach or knows coach as well as I do, and and um, that has never come up. Um, so I'd be shocked if you know he takes time away and comes up with a decision that is something other than co- coaching football. I think uh, I think he's really 
he's enjoyed the players and the coaches and the process his entire life, and he'd be the first one to tell you that he's extremely, you know, blessed. But I just he's got so much to still offer, I think. And and, and the way this is set up now for him, I think, is really good. Where you know we've been together so long, um, and these seasons are so long and they're so draining. But for him now to kind of be able to have that time to decompress um, and to go spend time with his family, uh, recharge the batteries, uh, start working on some some new concepts and ideas, and, and let me and my staff go to work. So there you have it from Brett Veach. Andy Reid was also asked for an explanation in this morning's media availability, which which came to us on Tuesday. Here's Andy Reid. Uh, I was asked that about uh, 50 times down there. And I think by the time I got to Jay Glazer, I just went, hey, listen, I've been asked this about 100 times. I mean, I, uh, that's not the direction I'm going. It wasn't a yes or no answer, I guess. So it came across uh, maybe that way. Uh, that's not what I was thinking. But anyways, yeah. So I, I think, John, and we already discussed a little bit, so we don't have to go into detail here. But I, I think it's safe to say that at least for the 2023 season, Andy Reid will be back. Yeah, I think so, and and possibly for a number of years afterward. I I think you make it an excellent um, point about uh, Bill Belichick because that's going to be the standard. You know, uh, he's already into his seventies, and Reed could do that uh, pretty easily. I think he still strikes me as a guy who's got some time left, and we'll we'll see how it goes. Although speaking as someone who is the same age as Andy Reid, it can accelerate pretty quickly. <laughs> right. So right. We we have we have the same age as as two particular important Chiefs people. You are, are the same age of Andy Reid. I am the same age as Travis Kelsey. I will know well that see, I really I will know <laughs> that I'm really old and in, in middle age when <laughs> Travis Kelsey finally puts the cleats up. John, you will know that you're extra old when Andy Reid. <laughs> Let's keep that in mind as we go. Uh, all right. I want to say one more thing about the Andy Reid thing. And I've said this theory before, John. You have heard this before. If you listen to our show, you've heard it before, the radio stuff, whatever. But I also, and, and again, this is me talking for them. They have never said this on record, whatever. As a matter of fact, when they're asked about, about it, they, they dispel this. Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are looking because they have high goals at Tom Brady and Bill Belichick respectively. Unfortunately for Mahomes in in this duo, he has an extra Super Bowl that he has to get because Tom Brady was able to do one without Bill Belichick. But Mahomes wants to be the greatest player ever. Again, he won't openly say that. I saw him asked about this during Super Bowl week and he said, long way to go. Ask me when I'm 38. Uh, But he, He's eyeing that. That is feasible, right? He's finally got number mm-hmm. two. Yeah. He's probably got about 16, 17 years left to to make up the five. And then who knows, right? If if let's say we get into the three or four range in the next five years, you know, that would only put him at the age of 32, right? And so then you need three more by the and if he does play to Brady's age, which he wanted to, he has 13 years left to get three, right? I think he's eyeing that. A lot of work to do, taking it day by day everything you want to say about the cliches that it'll it'll take to get there. Andy Reid, I think he wants to get in the realm of Bill Belichick. And the only way you could do that is to remain coaching because he's Mm -hmm. right now four Super Bowl championships behind. I don't know if he's going to have enough time to catch Bill because I think he's got way less time than Patrick Mahomes and his sure eventually Mm -hmm. catch Brady. I mean, I we I am saying Andy's going to stay in the chair for the foreseeable future, but that foreseeable future is more like five to seven years, right? Instead of right. Five. So I don't know if he'll get close to six, but I think if he gets to four, and he was able to do it with two franchises and has been able to win all these games and maybe get close in in pure victories, then I think you start to have that Michael Jordan, LeBron James conversation that a lot of people have in the NBA with the best coach of all time. Right. LeBron didn't get the six titles that Michael Jordan did, but he got close, close enough. I think once Andy Reid can get to four, which is possible in the next sure. five to seven years. Mm-hmm. then a lot of people might say, no, Andy Reid's the, the greatest coach of all time. Right. You know, and because he because a lot of people then could say he only had Patrick Mahomes for 10 years. Bill Belichick had Tom Brady for 20. There are ways to sort of have that argument. And I think Andy Reid really wants to be not only top five, top top 10, whatever, I think he wants to be talked amongst the greats. And that can only happen with more championships, and that can only happen by staying in that chair. So that's But you can also say about... Yeah, but you can also say 
that Reed has done it with two different teams now. Yeah, right, right, he's, right. And, and Belichick didn't do that by any stretch of the imagination. He's not going to do that. He's not going to end up on another team and take them uh, to the kinds of heights that he did with the Patriots. I think he's on his last team right now. So I'm not sure that it's really going to take equaling Belichick's number of championships for Reed to be in that conversation. But but you make a good point. He's closer to, to my age than yours, <laughs> which right. you know get, puts a natural limit on how, how hard he can, how long he can do this. You know, I was on a radio show last week going into the the Super Bowl. I I think it was last week or the week before. I can't remember now. But they asked me about Mahomes, uh, you know, getting up there with the same number of rings as Brady. And I said, well, yeah, it's certainly possible. And they were like, oh, no, really? Really? You really think so? It's like, well, yeah, duh. <laughs> you know, he's, it's, he can easily play as long as Brady has, and he, he could easily win that many championships. I, I don't see how this is difficult to comprehend, you know? I, I still think it's too soon to talk about Mahomes and Brady, but I, I think – the fact that the possibility is not 0%, that it's non-zero. Right. right. Feels right. impressive. And I think we can I think we can start to fairly have those type of conversations. So he's 27 now. Let's say 10 years from now he is uh, well let's say let, let's put him at 32. If he gets mm-hmm. 4 by 32 like I just described, which would give him 28 29 5 years to get 2. He just got 2 and 4. So let's say he gets two more in the five years and he reaches the age of 32 and he has four Super Bowl titles. It's going to be possible if he wants to play to 45. It's going to be a different player then, but we've seen Mahomes adapt as the years go on too. Like I think this year was marked more by his pocket presence and that aids you in playing for a long time. He he wasn't out of structure as much. He wasn't scrambling as much and, and taking as many hits. And, uh, you know, I think that'll help in the long run. All right, the Super Bowl is great, right? But the Chiefs are going to have some questions this offseason, a lot of questions at a lot of positions. And one of them is Orlando Brown Jr., who played on the franchise tag this year. Andy Reid was asked about Orlando Brown this morning. Yeah, those guys uh, obviously had good years for us. And uh, I <laughs> all these contract things, I've, I haven't gotten with each on at all and i kind of stay out of that that world but i think both guys are very well liked here i'm sure that the uh the brett will surely make a strong attempt to keep them here but well you know we'll see how that goes we'll see how that goes so no answer from reed <laughs> i get why the question was asked i think it's a question that has to be asked because the franchise tag is key it's a little soon to ask it maybe but we're, again, we're not going to get Andy Reid until the scouting combine. John, you can let me know if you disagree with me here. I just think we're in a, a, a I think we're in for a repeat of the same exact thing that we had last offseason, where you great readers of Arrowhead Pride are going to be treated to about six or seven articles of posturing until ultimately <laughs> Orlando Brown is tagged again, except this time maybe the, the rights are traded. Or he plays on the franchise tag. That's my way too early Orlando <laughs> Brown prediction. And you can let me know what you think, John. Yeah, I, I think that's entirely possible. I also think it's possible that they sign him to a deal. I think this is, you know, I, I think if Sunday's game had gone differently, yeah, maybe we wouldn't be having this conversation in quite the same way. But Sunday's game came out the way it did, where the the chiefs played, you know, what everybody said was the best pass rushing team in the NFL. And Patrick Mahomes wasn't sacked once, you know, with, (laughs) with Orlando Brown on one side and Andrew Wiley on the other side, who had that as a, as a prop bet in this game. I don't think anybody had that as a prop bet in this game. Yeah. And given that, I think that everything's on the table for Orlando Brown. Um, you know, I think, yes, one of the possibilities is that they uh, decide to give him the franchise t- tag and trade him away. But um, I'm not sure that we're that, that the possibility for a, a new contract for a new long term deal 
is off the table. I really don't think it's off the table. Yeah, Orlando Brown was seen in a photo. I believe he was holding a sign that said zero sacks in the Super Bowl, put it on a shirt, or he tweeted that, I believe, actually. Yeah. Let's take it easy, Orlando Brown. You, I mean, he, <laughs> <laughs> he has these slow starts to the season and then usually plays well enough in the second half. And I agree, it, it was a very impressive showing, but a lot of it was game planning, too. Like, we saw a lot of misdirection sure. in the backfield. Yeah. And mm-hmm. yeah. I think Patrick Mahomes played a, a role in that. And you're right on Andrew Wiley. Andrew Wiley is a very quiet free agent as well. So we will mm-hmm. see what happens with Wiley, who is a very underrated chief. I, I just think he's just done a nice job shoring up that position and, and probably doesn't get it enough credit. And And I, kn- I know that a lot of fans, especially in the early year, were, were calling for Lucas Niang to replace him. I tend to think Wiley will be back. Maybe it'll be a, on a two-year deal instead of a that mm-hmm. one-year deal, or maybe it'll be a three-year deal. And I still think that he'll go into camp and he will be one of those guys that has to earn his position. Sure. I just don't think he's going to walk in and keep the right tackle job. I think, well, like we saw in training camps, John, we'll see days where mm-hmm. the Jaron Christians of the world get an opportunity. Yeah. But, hey, sign him, give him a chance to earn it. And if a rookie or a younger player does beat him out at the position, at least you have a great backup. I mean, we saw how important yeah. mm-hmm. Nick Allegretti was this year in some of those spot starts. I believe he, he started for Joe Tooney, who missed some of the first starts mm-hmm. of his career. Trey Smith, I believe, missed a game, and Nick Allegretti was huge. So if tackle X or Orlando Brown has to miss a game, let's say those are the tackles next year, maybe Andrew Wiley is there to to shore up those positions. And a- as we've seen, you know, the Chiefs won the first seed by one win slash something outrageous having to happen. Every game matters. Those games where Nick Allegretti yeah. had to stand in and the Chiefs were able to get those wins, those those matter in the long run, and you, you saw them really lean into the offensive line room after that terrible Super Bowl loss against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Andy Reid was asked about Eric Bieniemy and his future with the club. Eric Bieniemy, as we know, had been on a one-year deal with the Chiefs as an offensive coordinator. There was some of that stuff last offseason, was better toward the end here. I know that Andy Reid and, and Patrick Mahomes both credited Eric Bieniemy and, and what he brings to the table on the Super Bowl night after they won it in the post game. And we are now all wondering about the future of Eric Bieniemy and the Chiefs. Here's Andy Reid. I would tell you the first part of that, that I'd push him to, you know, there's no reason he shouldn't get one, um, one of these jobs. So he's a, he's too good of a football coach. Not. I don't believe there's any jobs left. Yeah. As of this recording head coaching jobs. The Indianapolis Colts job and the Arizona Cardinals job went to the respective coordinators of the Eagles. So what that leaves, John, I think, is a possibility with the Washington Commanders and those Eagles because of the Andy Reid ties. And we know about the ownership and whatever. I don't know if Nick Sirianni would necessarily bring him in. I think the the best bet right now is the Commanders, where he could run the offense to his liking. A lot of the Reid quotes about the enemy over the weekend were saying that perhaps B enemy would be better to let him go be B enemy and to put his stamp on an offense, just like we saw with Mike Kafka, who reportedly was a finalist for the Cardinals job before it, it went elsewhere. So I, th- I believe Kafka is going to end up staying with the New York giants, but I, I find it hard pressed to believe that B enemy will be, will be back. I think the writing on that table or the writing on the wall has, has been there for a long time. I'm wondering where he goes. I, I think what is the next step, and I don't think this is fair, but I think what the next step is for him is going to a team like Washington, Ron Rivera, who has deep connections with Andy Reid, sure. proving mm-hmm. it that where there's no question that he is running the offense. So I'm hoping at this stage, and again, only hoping because there's no head coach jobs left, that he goes to Washington and they do have success. And you see him from that, experience with Rivera get a head coaching job I wonder about uh about him at the Eagles too um I could see the Eagles wanting to bring some of the Kansas City magic to that franchise especially since they've just now lost both of their coordinators which hasn't happened for a quarter century now uh since it's been since both uh, a Super Bowl uh team lost both its coordinators so um, I, I, 
I could see how it'd be a little weird, but at least it's an NFC team. And, um, uh, and I think, you know, that'd be a quarterback that the enemy could be eye to eye with. And speaking uh, in, of Alex Smith and, and that offense, similar, similar things to what the chiefs were doing when Alex Smith was playing at his best. A lot of the mm-hmm. it's a run, it's, it's that like Lamar, speaking of the Ravens, the Ravens hired someone else as well. So they're out of the mix. It's that Lamar, um, I was going to say Lamar Hunt, that Lamar Jackson style <laughs> offense. And you can make a case that Jalen Hurts is doing it better. Jalen, that's yeah. another, I mean, I wasn't going to say this in marinated takeaways because this is a Chiefs podcast and not Bleeding Green Nation. Jalen Hurts was the best player on the field the other night. The only reason he didn't win MVP is because the Chiefs won the game, right? Yeah. So right, right. that's an incredible quarterback to be handed to you. And I just think that the enemy could bring some new concepts to the table. And she's were doing a lot of those things when they had a quarterback like that. I don't think Alex Smith is as good as Jalen hurts. Jalen hurts was just fantastic besides that fumble. And obviously all the pieces are in place to an extent. I know that they got to sign um, hurts, but all the pieces are in place to an extent to go back, right? The defense is there. Mm-hmm. Is, yeah. You're, you're running back, you know, your, your concepts are going to be a little bit more run based. And and that is a fit, I think, in Philadelphia. So Philadelphia becomes interesting. My my think it I, I think he ends up being with someone off the Andy Reid tree, which is why I think he ends up with the commanders. But yeah, we'll I, I yeah, I, I think that's a, a strong argument, but I'll tell you, after listening to Nick Sirianni talk um over the last couple of weeks as we were preparing for the Super Bowl, it struck me how much he sounds like Andy Reid. Yeah. I mean, they they kind of have compatible ideas about how to look at the team and so on and so forth and and how they approach the team culture. And on that respect, I think Biennemi would fit right in there and and he would see Biennemi as somebody who would fit right in with his organization. But, you know, we'll just have to see how it goes. This will be one of the many offseason stories we'll be covering at ArrowheadPride.com. Last quote from Andy Reid, just talking about the final team meeting in the next few days and as the, the team celebrates and then gets ready for what will be a long offseason. Here's Andy Reid. Uh, what I've been doing today is uh, we had a, a meeting, a team meeting, uh, where we talked about a variety of things, a parade included, and then um, about the offseason. And uh, now I'm actually in, in the middle of uh, talking to each player. Each player will meet with his position coach, the coordinator, and myself. So um, they're going through that that exercise there. So there you go, Andy Reid wrapping things up. And I think they will have this final team meeting. As as Andy was saying, he likes to meet with each player and lay out goals for the offseason and have a final debriefing if it's their last meeting. You know, those impending free agents maybe won't meet with Andy Reid after today, at least not in this formal type of, of setting. And John, I got to imagine there there may be some messaging about this parade to <laughs> behave a little bit. I think <laughs> that first one in nineteen slash twenty got a little little wild. What do you think? I think that's distinctly possible, but yes. I also think that that Andy Reid uh, wants his players to have fun. He doesn't want to stand in their way, and even when it's not something that he would do um which it isn't this isn't something me, that Andy Reed wait a minute wait a minute would do. you're telling me that that <laughs> Andy Reid is not going to give a beer to Matt Nagy and have it have him pour it down his throat off the the bus like we saw in, in 19 I I don't think I don't think he would do that no okay. I'm just right. I'm just making an educated guess there mm-hmm. but I also think he really values his players having the freedom to have a good time and I I think he doesn't want to get in the way of that in any way but I appreciate the comment that you're making that he might be saying <laughs> okay well you know be thinking about what it looks like when you're up there <laughs> acting like I, that but but please have fun <laughs> So I remember that and I remember Kelsey talking about the speech, the, the first speech, he said that he had no plan uh, at all and just, w- you know, winged it a little bit. Uh-huh. <laughs> you, you think <laughs> the speech was pretty good. I think I think it needed to be clipped here and there because there were some <laughs> interesting <laughs> parts of it where he was pointing at the World War One museum and <laughs> didn't really know where he was going with it. And then he got back on his horse and I, the end of it ended up pretty good. <laughs> 
I wonder if he'll have some some better planning this time around, even even as he enjoys some of the libations that naturally come with a a Super Bowl championship. But hey, it should be a fun day. The parade. I will tell you guys this: we have the city's guidance on our website right now. If you plan on going. A lot of information. It, it seems like the best thing to do is not drive if you can figure out a way to get down there. Yeah. It, this, this is not only recommend, recommending A, getting there early, but B, looking at public transportation. And they even go as far as to say, take a scooter down there. So mm-hmm. find a way to get down there, be safe, and uh, enjoy it. Again, all the guidance is, is up at, at arrowheadpride.com. And John, it, it, it should be a, a fun parade. I, I think this is a really cool thing for the city. Do you feel like the turnout is going to be more or less than 1920? Well, I, I think I think it could be more, and here's why. I think that the on the one hand, people went in 2019 because they thought maybe this will never happen again. I think a lot of people went that day for that reason. And they went that day for that reason, even when it was bitterly, bitterly cold. That's and, right. And it was cold. I, didn't, I forgot about I that. I didn't I didn't go that day for that very reason. If you'll recall, we had conversations yeah. about it. And I thought about going and then didn't because it was going to be really cold. And as an as an old guy, that's a big deal to me. More so than it would have been, you know, when I was closer to your age, for example. It wouldn't have wouldn't have kept me from going. But as an older guy, that's a big deal to me. Now, tomorrow, on Wednesday, it looks like the weather's going to be pretty good. It's going to be fairly warm. So I think there will be some people who will go uh, because they're going to realize, well, this might be the last time there's a Super Bowl parade in February where the weather is nice. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so, yeah, uh, I think we could have a big turnout. You know what? I'm going to do it while we're we're talking here. The. A quick look at the weather shows me that it's a high of 42 and a low of 23, yeah. which isn't exactly as warm as you'd, you'd want it if you could request. But that's not so bad. Right. By the time that's... the afternoon rolls around, it'll be OK. And it's, yeah, you've seen worse it... days at Arrowhead Stadium before Absolutely. Game. Yeah. I mean, what if I'm not... getting at is I could tolerate that tomorrow. If I can tolerate <laughs> it tomorrow, then you can tolerate it tomorrow. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I like that you're getting fired up about this. If you're not going out to the parade, you can watch it on KSHB 41. As many of you know, I have a relationship with them. They will have up and down coverage of the parade as well as the celebration and the rally. Begins at noon. That's the caravan. And then around 1.30 is when the stage stuff will happen. So, man, I... <laughs> I, t- I want to tell you that I, d- I don't think you're going to have another opportunity because these things are so few and far between, but you probably will with how this team yeah. is built Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes. So if you can't make it out, maybe you can make it next year or the year after or whatever it will be as we wait for another Super Bowl. All right. When we come back, we'll talk more about this game and the season as a whole. We'll bring in Steve, Mr. Mr. Curmudgeon to, to see what he, what he has to complain <laughs> about, about a Super Bowl championship. You're listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Well, I'm going to let this marinate. You know, let that one marinate and then we can circle back. Adapt. React. Readapt. Takes time. It takes years. (laughs) That's the takeaway. 
back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. It's a championship edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. It is a Valentine's Day edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Let's not forget about Valentine's Day as you're buying all your Super Bowl merch, right? We got to make sure we take care of the, the girlfriends and the boyfriends out there. Get them some chocolates, some flowers, and, and whatever. All right, let's get into our, our marinated takeaways about this Super Bowl. A little more casual today. Usually we'll have to write down three, but we're just going to have a, a basic discussion about A, this championship game, and then B, just the season as a whole. And, and, and John, I'll, I'll cast a wide net for you here. What did you make of, <laughs> of both? What did you make of both? Uh, it was an incredible season. Uh, lots of terrific memories, lots of terrific games, some head scratching moments here and there, but capped off with a fantastic performance across the board. The team was great in all three phases. Uh, the coaching was superb, uh, lots of smart play calling on both sides. Um, and then to me, one of the most interesting things from the game in terms of individual plays Mm -hmm. was Kadarius Tony's punt return uh in the fourth quarter which of course ended up being the longest punt return in in super bowl history there's a couple of things about this i i actually asked pete to ask uh, andy Reid about this this morning and we didn't get a good answer about it no. but i've looked at the the broadcast footage a couple of times and i'm not entirely sure that they didn't plan that play to go up the right side of the field and tony didn't you know, fake the other way just to get people, get them uh, going that direction because that wall built really fast and either they were planning on it to some extent, or those blockers had eyes in the back of their heads. I don't know. I don't know which it was. And we won't get an opportunity to talk to Dave to probably until nobody will want to be interested in knowing about it anymore, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it was a great play. And I, I, the other thing about this is that um, Tobe was acting like he had something up his sleeve when he spoke to the broadcast crew before the game. And they mentioned that during the broadcast. And I, and right. I wonder now if, uh, if maybe they had something on for that play that contributed to its success. Well, it was the longest punt return in Super Bowl history. It was 65 yards, I believe. Yeah. And, I just think a one-point lead against that team, you wouldn't have felt as secure with the one-point lead. It was just too much of a seesaw game. Now, Mm -hmm. the Chiefs ended up going up eight points at that that stage. And I I just wonder what a Super Bowl would have looked like had they only gotten three points out of that. When Tony brings you to the doorstep, you're going to score six. And I just think it made it a, a different feeling game. You felt a lot better, John, as a Chiefs fan, given the fact that the Eagles got the ball and they were great all night on offense. And then the yes. most that they could do at that point was tie it. And so it gave a little bit of security as a Chiefs fan. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I think a lot of Chiefs fans this season have been ready to give up on Dave Tobe and, and say, we don't need Dave Tobe to be aggressive and I, I say again, what I've said before is that Dave Tobe isn't being aggressive because he's a rogue actor. He's being aggressive because Andy Reid wants him to be aggressive. You know, he's not he's not doing things that Andy Reid doesn't want him to do. And I think that's what you see, that sometimes it doesn't pay off. And sometimes, and especially at a big moment like this, it does. Let's bring in Steve now, our, our great Arrowhead Pride podcast producer. Great time to say... Hey, Steve, thank you for all the, the work on making this channel what it was in, oh, in 2022 yeah. and 23. I, I think we continue to build by adding shows, and uh, and obviously the reviews reflected that. I helped a little bit with that cake. I don't want to, I don't want to take any credit for it, maybe, <laughs> maybe 5% of the credit. But it's just been a, a fantastic lineup that we've had. The Arrowhead Drives that you produce every day have, have been great, and so – Thank you to you for that. Let's go to you about this Super Bowl season and the championship and and what you made of this game between the Chiefs and the Eagles. I mean, first off, incredible season. And thank you for the praise, Pete. Um, uh, Everybody on our team at Arrowhead Pride is spectacular and everybody does fantastic work and everybody 
grinds and busts their butts all, all season long to try to give you guys the best coverage that we can possibly put together. And so we really appreciate you guys listening to everything that we're doing on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Um, as far as the season goes, man, I, I think I, I've been thinking about this and processing this since Sunday, and you can point to the Super Bowl loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as you know, the real turning point for this version of this Chiefs team where, you know, I, I know they didn't trade Tyreek Hill until the following season, but after that Super Bowl, there was an acknowledgement uh, within the organization that what we put out there in that game wasn't good enough. And, you know, maybe Patrick Mahomes is so great that he's always going to have us in those games, even when the roster isn't good enough. But they came to the realization that they were top heavy and there was not enough depth on that team to overcome the injuries that they suffered that season. And so really, this has all been what they've been building towards over the last couple of years. And that starts with you know hitting on draft picks, but it's also about developing players and Credit to Brett Veach and their staff and the guys that they identified and the contributors that they added over the last two years, whether it was through trades or whether it was through the NFL draft. And then the Chiefs coaching staff was brilliant this season, in my opinion. And, you know, Dave Tobe did have some struggles, but he came up huge in the Super Bowl. And <laughs> as long as the NFL is going to continue to poach everybody else's coaching staffs and let Andy Reid keep this group together, I think the Chiefs are going to be in a really good situation moving forward because we see the 49ers get their coaching staff just shredded every offseason. Now it's the Eagles this year, and mm -hmm. the Chiefs are just going to keep bringing these guys back. And they they got a bunch of draft picks. They got some money to play with this offseason. And I'm not really sure what's happening there with the rest of the NFL, but if they want to continue to do it, then let them because this franchise is in just a really, really good spot right now. I agree, and a big part yeah. of that is Brett Veach. In my rea rapid reaction to this game, I just I couldn't believe just the impact that Brett Veach and, and he will be quick to point to his college scouting and his team. And you got to really give credit to the whole team. But Veach is ultimately the guy pulling mm -hmm. the trigger. Just the impact that Brett Veach had on this game. I think the Chiefs went into this game and this year looking at it as a transitional year. They still thought they could make the playoffs, but I don't think they they really, truly felt this was possible. But like, let's get close. Let's see what happens. And it ended up being really a, a season that we're used to, where they just were the, the best team very clearly in the AFC. I know the Bills and the, the Bengals beat them. I know that they were right there. But in all their other games, they put together enough wins to have more wins than the Bengals could have had. We know what happened with the Buffalo Bills, but they dropped the ball by losing that game to the Bengals. So I still think the Chiefs were the best team in the AFC. But clinching that by and then doing it with, as Steve, you mentioned, and I thought this was a cool moment where Sam Melliger came out from his, his Royals umbrella yesterday, and he said that that Therese had told Brett Veach, Therese Paler, a friend of, of Arrowhead Pride, Therese had told Brett Veach that he would write about how that Bucks loss and that disaster really led to the Super Bowl title and, and your next Super Bowl title. And obviously a lot of emotions come with that, the, the late, great Therese mm -hmm. Paler, but I, yeah. I think he was right on. I just think Brett Veach went back and he said, this will never happen when we have Patrick Mahomes again with just no protection. And he rebuilt that offensive line by signing Joe Tooney, drafting Creed Humphrey, drafting Trey Smith, adding left tackle Orlando Brown. I know he's a very polarizing figure, but he was good enough to get it done in, yeah. in the Super mm -hmm. Bowl. And then you have the defensive backs. Man, the Fab Five. What an amazing unit this had been for the Chiefs. Not only Trent McDuffie, but Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams, what Brian Cook is going to be able to do or was able to do this season, will be able to do as he moves, I, you know, I don't, I don't think Juan Thornhill is necessarily back next year. So it's going to be the cook show. We don't even know about Nazi Johnson yet, but the defensive backs that had a role. Kadarius mm -hmm. Tony in the trade, you got Kadarius Tony for three, you know, two, dra two draft picks, I should say, and two mid round picks. And you never know in the NFL draft, if, you, if you're going to hit or not, Brett Feach has been great, but there, there, there will be drafts in the future where they're a little weaker. That's, you know, that'll happen. That's just tends to happen. So you never know. And you've got this player, for two mid-round picks, you saw what Tony can do when he's healthy, both with the touchdown 
know, he was wide open and then really changing the game as we already discussed with that 65 yard return. Sky Moore, your second round rookie, is the other guy who gets into the end zone. And then Nick Bolton, who's a second year player. And you were betting on Bolton to take over for Anthony Hitchens. That's what you designed. And I thought a key play in this game was when Kenny Gainwell had that ball in open space. And how many yep. missed tackles have we seen the Chiefs have yeah. this year? Mm-hmm. And for seemingly the whole game, it felt like the Eagles said to themselves, now, nah, you know, it's time for us to get a first down and we're, and got the first down. And then suddenly Bolton makes that tackle. They send the field goal unit on and you're like, okay, all right, this defense can stop them. And they were good mm-hmm. for the rest of the game from that point. I, I just think Nick Bolton has been such a, a leader for this team at times criticized around the Kansas city, local media, whatever you want to call it. And I think unrightfully. So I think the chiefs made the right call by letting him take over for Anthony Hitchens. It's going to be a very interesting conversation when his contract comes up because he's just been a fantastic player for the chiefs. And really if they were to keep him around, he is steaming ahead for that Derek Johnson tackle record. Ultimately, mm-hmm. I know it's a, a long yeah. time away, but he is just everywhere. He's everywhere. And he, and he makes every, tackle that he possibly can 16 and 17 tackle games for Bolton this year. I just thought was so impressive. John, I'll go back to you. Yeah. I, I think you're making a really good point, Steve. I, I agree with both of you on this, that um, I, I think it all started with that Bucks loss. And I think that um, the loss to the Bengals has played a role in it as well. Uh, I think we saw in the, the way that the coaches approached Sunday's game uh, was a reflection of that. But yeah, I completely agree. I wrote down a, a few turning points I, I I had in this game. And Steve, I'll let you comment on on these. But when they when I thought at halftime as Rihanna was singing work, 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 they were gonna lose, I had written down I think the key sequence in this Super Bowl loss, this is my mind frame because we have to write these things in advance. Spoiler to everybody. I I had written down Butker's field goal miss where it hit the upright, followed by the Frank Clark penalty, followed by the Jalen Hurts bomb to to A.J. Brown is when the Chiefs lost the Super Bowl. That sequence felt so critical and so bad that I, I couldn't foresee the Chiefs coming back in this game like we have seen so many times before. And I, I was going to get on Andy Reid for not being aggressive, for the Eagles being aggressive, for being passive, for making the same dumb mistakes we had seen the beginning of the season and then for not having wide receivers because AJ Brown and Devonte Smith dominated the first half, whereas the chiefs wide receivers were invisible. And I don't know about you guys. I was at halftime and I was saying to myself, I cannot fathom a scenario where this turns around and they win this game. I know they were down 10 points at the time, but it felt like 21 or 28. And this is the point I'm getting to. This is the turning point I'm getting to. I mentioned the Bolton one already, so I don't have to, to reiterate that one. But this halftime conversation was something I, you know, I was on site in, in Phoenix. I got to ask Juju about. And Juju was like, we just didn't have energy. And we were fortunate that Rihanna, as great as she is, played for 29 minutes. We had 29 minutes to reflect and say to each other, we need to be better. We are not having fun. This is not us. And Juju came out and had a huge, huge mm-hmm. second half of this game. I know he didn't get into the end zone, but became that second outlet that Brett Veach brought on board to replace Tyree Kill. And I just thought his performance in the second half was so big. And collectively, that was a turning point. And then to me, what was so impressive, and these are the two biggest plays of the game to me, the Patrick Mahomes scrambles, right? The, the scramble in the third quarter as he's dealing with a high ankle sprain to pick up that yardage and to get the Chiefs onto the doorstep and then to me that final one where the game is tied and you need to get the ball into field goal territory and I know the Eagles were able to almost get a stop at at that stage but on a high ankle sprain you scramble into Eagles territory and with the game tied you get you get into field goal range and now you could manage how to take off the time in this clock shout out to Carl Sheffers man never knew (laughs) that the the Chiefs needed you so much but he solidified that scramble in a way to let the Chiefs take off the, the, the rest of the clock along with, with Jarek McKinnon's selfless play. He never scored a touchdown in a, in a Super Bowl. And Cutter easily said to himself, I, I have a Super Bowl touchdown on my record now, but we're instead going to win the game. So just the, that sequence to me, you know, those were the, the turning points of this game, Steve. It's 
I'm with you after the first half. Like it's hard to feel good about it at that point in in the game because they open on that initial scoring drive and they both go back back to back and you're like, okay, we're in for an incredible game. And then it totally turns in the Eagles' favor. And you head into halftime, and then you know Rihanna comes out in the all red. And I think I tweeted that out after the game. I was like, we should have known when Rihanna showed up in all red that the Chiefs weren't losing this football <laughs> game. Uh, but man, it's—I I remember sitting there to myself at halftime saying, "Well, it, it's not even on the players now. It, it's on the coaches to come up with an unreal game plan to to put them in the best possible positions because." Patrick Mahomes was hurting and, you know, yeah, you saw the wide receivers for the chiefs were non-existent in the first half and Kelsey had the big first half and he was a little quieter in the second half because other guys started stepping up, but it all comes back to Andy Reid and Eric B the chiefs. If Jarek McKinnon does score a touchdown instead of going down at the one yard line to set up the game winning field goal, the chiefs would have gone a hundred percent in the second half on scoring drives. And right. In the Super Bowl, that's insane. And how many times all season long during big games are we like, okay, Chiefs always defer. They always want the ball to yep. start the second half, and they come out three and out and, and just right. punt. Yeah. And, and we we see, see them do that all season long. I was like, it's over. If they, if they don't score on this opening drive in the second half, I think this football game's over. And Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy and that offensive coaching staff just said, okay, we got this. And they just pitched a perfect game in the second half, which is unbelievable to do on that stage. And man, like the preparation and time, like that was Andy Reid's masterpiece. Like we saw him paint his masterpiece in the second half of the Super Bowl. John, I'll, I'll go back to you. Do you have any other things that, that stuck out in your mind? Well, I'm going to expand on, on what Steve was just talking about that they, uh, in the locker room, we're saying to each other, we're not having fun. We're not being yeah, who yeah. we are. And I, I think that that was a, a, a smart thing for them to realize. I think that was a smart thing for them to try and fix coming out. Um, I remember all week and I was one of them in my prediction for the game. You know, I pointed out that the only way for the Tyreek Hill comparisons to stop was for the Chiefs to win this game and that Patrick Mahomes knows that. And that we were going to see an over my dead body game from Patrick Mahomes. And we weren't really seeing that until that first drive of the third quarter. And I think that it brings up another question that I wanted to mention today. Um, People talk about Andy Reid's trick plays all year and how they, they don't work all the time and that they're too cute and, and, uh, you know, someday that's going to bite him in the butt. And I completely disagree. I have come to believe that these trick plays are in the playbook, not because the Chiefs expect him to gain a bunch of yards, yards, but because it's a way for the, the players to express themselves and feel like participants in Andy Reid's scheme and his coaching. And that is huge you know the fact that they get to to run one of these plays in the super bowl even if it doesn't work which it didn't uh, on in this particular game okay so there's a play in the super bowl that doesn't work you run it at a time when it's not you know third and seven where it's got to work you know and if it works it works and if it doesn't then the players are like we had that play we came up with that and that you know the benefit from that is enormous over the yeah. course of the season. And we saw that in the third quarter of the Super Bowl. I just think to run pre-snap motion and, and to get the Eagles used to you doing that all night and then to have the wherewithal to say, okay, we'll get him biting. We'll get him biting. And then Kadarius Tony looks like he's about to receive a pop pass again. Right. And all of a sudden he just stops. And somehow it has the athleticism on that, that bum hamstring or an ankle, whatever, to turn around and he's wide open, right? That only happens from scheme. That only happens from saying on tape, you know what? We might be able to get this particular Eagles player to bite. 
on this play. And I think we're going to have somebody wide open. And the, it was a similar play. It wasn't the same exact play as Andy Reid confirmed, but they, they did it twice. They did it twice with Sky Moore. And Sky Moore was able to get in the end zone. Imagine having the first touchdown of your career be in the biggest game. A pretty cool moment. I'm going to close here, guys, and I'll, I'll let you finish up with some words, too. I just think that, A, Travis Kelsey's words about the, how much a second Super Bowl matters. It just it, those stuck with me and it, it stuck with him because so many guys can say that they have won one. Not that it's easy to get one, but it's just a lot of people in NFL history, coaches and players included, have won one. It just mm-hmm. puts you in a separate section, a separate conversation when you win two. Travis Kelsey's among those. And this second one mattered a lot to him because to him it was his confirmation. It just wasn't a fluke. We are this good. We are those players. We are these historic players. And it stuck out to me that that he kept saying that because he would ask he was asked that question several times about the importance of, of Super Bowl number two. And the fact that it mattered to him, I, I thought was really impressive. And I thought that this season as a whole, this season as a whole, more than the last Super Bowl and that championship meant more for Patrick Mahomes possibility at building a dynasty, at becoming the greatest player of all time. We didn't know after Super Bowl one if he could do it, John, as you mentioned, without Tyreek Hill. We didn't know if he would be able to get to Super Bowl number two without that dynamic of a player. To me, now this clicks in my head, and not only can he really do it with without Tyree Kill, probably can do it without Travis Kelsey, which if he's going to reach that goal, he will have to eventually. I'm not saying next year. Mm-hmm. He will have to do that right. eventually. Mm-hmm. can do it without Tyron Matthew and having that energy on the defense and that leader. I don't think the Chiefs actually ever really replaced what Tyron Matthew brought to the field off the field as far as motivation and energy. And Justin Reed was, was great, a, a good player, a solid player for the Chiefs, but he wasn't that guy that had to mm. rally the defense. The Chiefs didn't really have it. They just had a good defense, right? They just had a good defense. So you don't need that player on that's going to have to rally your defense. I know Chris Jones stepped up in that regard, and, and sure. But I, I just think, okay, I think, I think Mahomes could do it without a guy like Travis Kelsey. I think he could do it without a guy like, like Tyron Matthew. And I, I know this sounds crazy, but I just think Mahomes is of the caliber of player that one day, as we said at the beginning here, we're talking about the Andy Reid retirement stuff. He will have to do it without Andy Reid. And this Super mm-hmm. Bowl gave me confidence, and this season gave me confidence that he could. And that's going to be a big one, too. That'll be because I think Andy Reid and Mahomes are due for more titles before that duo is done. But I, I think another big one, whether that's four or five, whatever we're talking about in the grand scheme of things, of getting one without Reed, whether that be Matt Nagy or somebody else is going to be a, a, a colossal championship as well. But it just gave me confidence in building this in the long term and making the Chiefs and this run one of the greatest, if not the greatest, a lot of work to do, if not the greatest in, in NFL history. All right, I'll give you both one more one more turn at the, the conch here. So, Steve, we'll go back to you. Yeah, I think it just goes back to a lot of what you're saying. And and this team is set up to be successful for a really long time, even if Andy Reid did decide to hang it up. But like, just think about like what we've seen over the last couple of years, like them going kind of overhauling the roster and admitting like it's time for us to close the window on that chapter of the Chiefs and move on to this one, which – franchises aren't very good at a, a lot of the time like we talk about you know like what the Packers did with Aaron Rodgers and their lack yeah. of success like he's got one ring yeah. and year after year you know you can call it excuses or whatever but they didn't do enough to put mm-hmm. him in situations to be where Patrick Mahomes is right now the Chiefs immediately identified okay we got to shut the door on that because it wasn't good enough and we have this player who is so special we have to do more to help him. And their acknowledgement of that just says so much about the organization. And, you know, and then last season to lose to the Cincinnati Bengals in the AFC championship game and a season where you literally saw NFL defenses shift how they play to stop him and force right. him to adjust as a player and to change his game that made him so successful this season where we talked about all offseason like Andy Reid was going to have to dust off some things from the Alex Smith playbook this year, and that's exactly what they did as a yeah. coaching staff. And mm. them doing that, that, and Patrick Mahomes having the growth to realize, like, 
we can do it in 15 plays. We don't have to do it in three plays. Made this one of the most efficient offenses in NFL history. And I don't know how the hell you stop it when he can do all the special things that he does as a player, but he's also operating at a Peyton Manning level IQ on the football field where right. he's mm-hmm. diagnose all of his protect protection schemes at the snap. Now that's stuff that he didn't do early in his career. So he's got all of the special things that make him uh, a once in a lifetime athlete, but he's also operating at a once in a lifetime IQ level on the football field that the NFL in general had a part in forcing him to adapt to and become (laughs) and I just don't know how you stop it. Like he he's unreal. He's an unbelievable player and everything that he's overcome to reach this level of success. And we talk about quarterbacks who, you know, we say they hit their prime, like, you know, 29 to 33. Well, this dude's only 27 and he's already playing. Like he's the best quarterback who's ever stepped on a football field. John. I remember, um, I can't, I think it was in 2017 after the team had, um, drafted Mahomes, and I was sitting up at training camp and I remarked to the people sitting next to me, you know, the chiefs fans are going to go crazy watching Andy Reed and his staff turn Patrick Mahomes into a pocket passer. Well, look, they just did that. That's what's happened in the 2022 season. The chiefs have turned Patrick Mahomes into a pocket passer and look what happened. They went into a Super Bowl game where everybody said the chiefs were going to lose everybody on the Fox broadcast. uh, You know, everybody was saying that the chiefs were going to lose this game. That's why the, the, they were favored why that the Eagles were favored in the betting lines. Cause that's what the public thought. The chiefs are done. They couldn't beat the bucks. Uh, season before last they couldn't beat the Bengals they just got lucky by getting a field goal better than the Bengals in this game and they're going to go down to the Eagles yeah no that's not what happened because Patrick Mahomes has learned how to be a pocket passer this is what we we were expecting this is what the NFL was afraid of and now it's happened so good luck to the rest of you guys (laughs) It's a good way to put it, John. All right. We have reached the end of our marinated roundtable. Steve, I have you with me, and I know that we are getting ready for the off-season version of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. And if you've made it to one hour and one or two minutes in, that means you are a big-time fan of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. So what's ahead, Steve, uh, as as the off-season gets underway? So this week we'll have our normal in-season lineup. So all the shows you know and love will be around for this week and we, as we kind of just recap the season and put a bow on everything. And then starting on Monday, we will dive straight into draft season. There's not going to be any Arrowhead Pride editor show next week. Pete and John need a break. They need some time off. They need to take naps and catch up <laughs> sleep, on some sleep, sleep after the last couple of weeks. So the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, instead of Mondays, will transfer to the off-season format where it'll be every Wednesday, but not next week. No editor show next week. We will start things off with the Arrowhead Pride Mock Draft Show that starts on Monday, and then we will have an Arrowhead Pride Draft Room that comes out on Friday and all the other NFL draft stuff, and we'll stay up on breaking news and all of that stuff. But we're going to dial it back, but there'll still be plenty of stuff to – to feed you guys as we get closer to the NFL draft and the combine and all that stuff. The NFL draft in Kansas city this year, it's coming up fast yeah. when the chiefs oh play in the final game of the season, the draft season comes quick. All right. I, I want to just use one more uh, thing here. I will be using the final part of this editor show. Probably <laughs> John's going to get sick of hearing it until August to tell you guys that I wrote a commemorative book on the <laughs> super bowl. That I will be plugging at the end of each show until the, nec- until the next <laughs> season begins. But uh, please go out and and take a look. At, it's on my Twitter right now. I got to get a better way to, to pump this out. But it's on twitter.com slash BGSween. It's my pin tweet. I wrote a book called A Dynasty Begins on the 2022 championship season of the Chiefs. We'll appreciate any support. Great to read. Great for your man cave. So, and and John and, and Steve, because we're doing a podcast together, I'll, you don't, you guys don't have to go out and buy this. I will give you guys 
free copies of this bad boy. But uh, yeah, for you out there, if you would like to support, please go to twitter.com uh, slash PG Sween. Uh, John's grabbing something. I, I feel like yeah. you have something to say, John. Well, yeah, I was just going to say that uh, this was my job well done uh, gift from my wife. The Night okay. the Kingdom Rose Again. It's a children's book about the 2019 oh. season. It's it's just cute as can be. So, well, this uh, confirms that you'll never have a. This confirms that I will never <laughs> have make a better book from for about the Chiefs than than you have in your hands. Was that Chiefsaholic in in the book as well? Or was that Casey? <laughs> there are several <laughs> illustrations in there that do look like Chiefsaholic. I'm afraid. <laughs> also, congratulations to Chief Chiefsaholic for his his release. We, we should say that as we go. All right, thank you to to John and Steve. If you love the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, please support us by leaving us a rating and a review. We will of course read it on. The Editor Show, congratulations to the city. If you're going out to the parade, stay safe. Have a great time. And stay with us all offseason because we will be covering the uh, the opportunity here for your Kansas City Chiefs to run it back again. The 2022 the Super Bowl 57 champions, the Kansas City Chiefs. Thanks to John and Steve. This has been another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. I'm Pete Sweeney. Have a great day. 